0: Amen. Good morning. Uh, kids, you're dismissed, so if you want to roll to kids class, you're free to go. Also, <clears throat> thank you for being here. Uh, when you hear when uh, Daniel said, was praying eloquently, by the way, that I was preaching, I appreciate you guys hanging around. I'll tell you a quick story before we jump in. If you want to get ahead, we're in Genesis 11 this morning, but I was uh, part of a teaching team at a church in Dallas, and I was in my mid-twenties, and uh, the the room was very full, and I was standing in the back like I do uh, most Sundays when I'm preaching, and they give you the microphone, and the tech group goes through all this stuff, and this lady walks in, and she goes, do you know who's preaching in here this morning? Because we had multiple venues, and I said, "Uh, no, I don't, and then she asked me, "Is, is Jeff preaching in here this morning? I said, no, I know he's not doing that. And she turned around and walked out. So uh, thanks for not walking out this morning. Uh, I'm excited to, uh, to be with you. If, you. if this is your first time at the branch, I mean, just take a look around. The Lord's doing some amazing things here. So uh, thankful and glad that you're here. Uh, what I'm going to do this morning, so we're talking about the Tower of Babel. And we're, we're spending eight weeks as a primer, really, as an introduction into the book of Exodus And so this morning, uh, we're picking up in Genesis chapter 11 with the story of the Tower of Babel. And so what I want to do before we dive into Genesis 11 is I just want to do a quick flyover with where we've been in Genesis so that we can fully understand the context of this story. If If you've heard me preach, you know, one of my great passions is to teach people to read their Bibles for themselves. And so the more that we can know of the story of God, the more that we can rest in His promises and uh, my kids are back here this morning, I, at least I think they are, they might have bailed when they heard I was preaching. Um, but we, we teach them through questions, uh, how to respond to God's character, and we'll, we'll come to one of those uh, this morning. But just those little subtle things of who God is, his nature, his character, uh, when you read the whole, the whole canon of scripture, you begin to realize that he really is a, a very good God. And so we have a lot to be thankful for. So let's do this just by way of recap, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll dive into Genesis 11. So in the beginning, God created everything. Good? Right? Everything. There's nothing that God did not create. He spoke, and there was. This is the creation account on page 1 in your Bible. Right? This is Genesis 1-1. God speaks, and there was. But it just didn't exist. It existed for a purpose. And the rhythm that we see in creation is that he speaks this into existence and it's good, and then he speaks that into an existence and it's good. And then on the sixth day, he looks at creation and he speaks man into existence. He creates us. And all of a sudden, creation as a whole is very good. This was his purpose. This was his design. This was the intention in creation. And the reason for that was, is unlike the, the birds in the sand and the whales in the ocean and the mountain peaks, we display God's glory because we've been created in his image. And so now he looks at earth with man, and he sees his image. And all of a sudden, creation is very good. It doesn't stay very good for long, right? Immediately in chapter 3, we have the fall. This is where we were, I think, last week. Um, as sin enters the world, Eve is tempted by the serpent in the garden. Uh, she eats of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right? There were were two commands. One was really more of a blessing in Eden before the apple, uh, before the whatever fruit, right, and whatever it is. It's always in the photos. It's an apple. Uh, So we're going to call it an apple. If you're good with that, I'm good with that. Are we good? Apple. Braden ate an apple this morning on the way here, and he has no teeth. That's fun to watch, okay? Um, Or he's got loose teeth, and so he's complaining about how much it hurt. So we're going to go with apple, okay, just for the sake of imagery. But before that, God gives a blessing. He gives dominion. He gives rule to man, right? That's, that's not a command. That's a blessing that we're to rule the earth. And then he says the other command is don't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? It was really the only command that we have. We get work. We get sent out into the world to do something, to do it in, in for God's glory. That's what Adam was doing as he tilled the earth and named the animals and did all his things. And, and then the command, do not eat this fruit, don't eat the apple. And the serpent slithers into the garden of Eden, Satan himself, and that is the first temptation. Uh, the first temptation is not the juiciness of the fruit, by the way. The first temptation is idolatry. It's pride. It is to be God rather than to be with God, to be like him rather than to be with him. Okay, are we good there? Because that's the theme that we're going to keep coming back to uh, in, in the story and the account of the Tower of Babel. So uh, Adam and Eve choose to be like God rather than to be with God, and they are cast out of the Garden of Eden. And from that very point until today, we have been trying to work our way back into the Garden of Eden. Okay, uh, and that's where we find ourselves in uh, the Tower of Babel. So God creates, and it was very good. The brokenness becomes more abundantly clear in chapter four. Do you know what happens in chapter four? Uh, brothers kill each other. I got three brothers. There were times where we wanted to kill each other, but these guys actually did. Cain kills Abel. And for the first time, we see the real pangs of death. Okay? We see mourning now. There was shame in the garden. Okay? Right? God sees Adam and Eve in their sin, and what do they do? <laughs> we're naked, you know? Um, and God clothes them. Right? And that's shame. Okay, we've all felt that. Okay, I think that when we come in here this morning, like that's the one thing we probably all have in common. We've all felt some sense of shame. In Genesis chapter 4, we see anger. Okay? We see anger and we see murder. And Cain kills Abel, brothers, Adam and Eve's children. Later, we see that uh, Adam and Eve have another child. His name is Seth. And from Seth's line is where we get to Noah. Okay, this is, I think, where we were last week. We did Noah last week, is that right? I'm getting my weeks confused. So we did Noah last week. What happens to get into Genesis chapter 6 is uh, the evil is proliferating around the world, okay? Uh, the, the real command was to be fruitful and what? Multiply and then what? Fill the earth, okay? So that's the. Uh, Going back to the garden, that's more of a blessing than it is a command, and we're going to dive into that a little bit this morning, okay? So if I miss it, flag me, and I'll come back to it, okay? I might miss it, full disclosure, okay? All right, so <clears throat> Genesis chapter 6, we see the pro- proliferation of evil, uh, sin is everywhere, okay? We have filled the earth with evil, with sin. Uh, we've forgotten God, and so God looks out on his creation, that was what, just a few chapters ago, it was very good, okay, and now it's broken, And he looks out and he decides that he has to go into action. And this is where we get into the the beauty of who God is. We get into his nature and his character in full grandeur here. Because we get in the flood, we get his wrath. Yes? And we get his what? We get his mercy. We get his grace. Okay? So in one uh, failed swoop, he wipes out mankind, except he doesn't. He preserves mankind because he is good and he is gracious. And so Noah and his three sons and their wives. So there's how many? Eight. Okay, there's eight humans. Can you imagine living in a world where there's, there's eight of us? It's like, I, I know everyone's name. We're good. Right? Except we weren't. Uh, as, as evil, uh, as mankind was wiped from the face of the earth, sin was still here. Our nature did not change, our surroundings did okay? So the, the God tells Noah to build, right? Build an ark. And this is, we're going to come back to this theme of building, too. So as Noah builds the ark, he is being preserved. This is God's mercy to mankind. From Noah, we get a line. Do you know Noah's son's names? Ham, Shem, what's the J one? Japheth, okay? So the waters subside, right? Can you, I mean, just imagine, if you can for just a minute, like this massive boat. There's all these animals, and there's eight humans, and the water goes down, and the boat comes to rest. And you look around, and I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the lake flood something, but it leaves wreckage. It's gross, right? And all of a sudden, this thing that was very good is completely dilapidated. It's in ruins, this earth. And God tasks Noah with be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, okay? So as they come off the boat, what does Noah do? He builds an altar, and then he gets naked drunk, okay? I mean, duh, who wouldn't, right? All of a sudden, you're on a boat, and now you're not. And he gets sloppy drunk. This is what the Bible says. It doesn't use the word sloppy. Uh, it just says that he got really drunk, drunk to the point where he passes out and he's completely naked. And his son Ham walks in and shame is now brought on him. Because instead of like a good son covering his father, he goes out and he gossips about his father. And then Ham is cursed from that point forward. Canaan comes from Ham. Okay? So this is important as we read our Bible because lineage is something that our brains want to skip, but you can't see Jesus Jesus if you don't see the line. Okay? So Ham, Canaan, that's where the curse goes. Okay? From Ham comes a guy, I love this name. Have you ever heard the word Nimrod? You ever called someone a Nimrod? That's because it came from a historical figure named. Nimrod, okay? So Nimrod was responsible. Let's go ahead and put the map up here, because I want to try to put us into context of where we are in the world, okay? So this is, um, I know I was sitting in the back early. I know it's really hard to see, so I'm going to paint a picture with my words, okay? So the little red area, which I hope you can see the red area, this is where the Tower of Babel is being built. This is Babylon, right there where the flag, where you start to see words, whether you can read them or not. That's That's Babylon, okay? The reason I want you to see where Babylon is is because down here in the corner is where Egypt is. That's where we're going in Exodus, okay? And then right there in the middle, that's the promised land that we're going to come to at the end of Exodus, okay? So when uh, Genesis chapter 11 talks about movement, when the people moved east, they were pretty close to the promised land. They didn't know it yet, okay? So they moved east towards Babylon, For the record, I almost just fell off the stage, okay? I am an athlete, and so I did not fall. (laughs) Former athlete. I will be sore tomorrow. The ankle rolled a little bit, okay? All right, so we have this covenant. We have this blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply it. And then from there... From Noah, mankind spreads throughout the earth. And in Genesis chapter 11, so if you've got your Bible, here we go. Genesis chapter 11, they begin to come back. All right? Genesis 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Verse 4. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be, what is the word there? I'm reading the ESV. Lest we be dispersed. Father, we thank you for this morning, we thank you for this time of worship where we can gather as a family, gather as a church, gather as the body of Christ to bring glory to you. And as we talk about building, as we talk about creation, as we talk about the fall, as we talk about towers, and the, I pray that our attention would be drawn to your glory, that we would make much of who you are, and that you would delight in our heart's response to the beauty of the gospel. So help us to see, in Genesis chapter 11, the clarity and beauty of Jesus, your Son. So I thank you for this church, I thank you for these friends, I thank you for these brothers and sisters, as we work through this text. Would you go before us? Give us strength and courage and wisdom where we need it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Genesis chapter 11, um, we're going to go back to the top and kind of work our way through like we do most Sundays. In verse 1, we get this idea of unity, okay? Um, This is something that our world currently doesn't experience at all, all right? And so we're going to do a little bit of that, if you're okay, and just give me one of these. I know we're not a big response church, but if you'll give me one of these, we're going to do some cultural stuff for a minute, okay? You have to do it or I'm not going to, so, um, okay, that's enough, 90%. All right, now the whole earth, this is verse one, the whole earth. Now, the, the Hebrew word that, words that are translated whole earth can also mean whole territory, okay? So if we're looking at the map that is gone, it could mean parts of that, right? Our Bible translators have decided to, to translate it as whole earth because it very well could have been the entire globe, okay? We, we don't really know. The context of Genesis 11 might say it might have been portions of the earth, a territory of the earth. But let's read it the way that the Bible uh, was given to us, okay? The whole earth. Now, the whole earth had how many languages? One language, okay? There is unity in our words. Now, the unity in our communication, do we still have brokenness? Yeah. Do we, do we still have sin? We do, okay? So we have unity of language. What I, I love this thought that the having one tongue should have been, right, in, in the garden, and what it was, was that it ought to have promoted a purity of worship, right? When we, when we get together, and I've been to parts of the world, um, we, I was in, before we started having kids, I spent like 10 days in Cuba, okay? And I'm preaching like three or four times a day, and I've got a translator, okay? I'm dependent on that translator to communicate the things I think that I'm communicating, right? And uh, English and Spanish are different. Did you know that? There are words that I use that aren't translated in Spanish as the same word. And so I'm saying something and all of a sudden everybody's laughing and I'm looking at it. My notes don't say joke. Okay? We had a failure. We had a breakdown of communication. Okay? Now, by the end of it, God had used the differences in our language for his glory. And that's where I want us to settle today. That's where I want us to find our hope today. Verse 2 says, And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they, what did they do there? They settled there. Okay, now remember where they've been. We're about 100 years post-flood. Okay? So now they've been dispersed. They've been given this blessing. They've been given this command to go multiply, be fruitful, and fill the earth well, I don't know about you, but I love my people. I love being around my family. I love being around my friends. And to go and fill the earth somewhere else is a real call. It's a real challenge, isn't it? How many of you were, felt a little bit of pressure, a little bit of anxiety when you moved away from home to go to college? Right? We all, <laughs> everybody wants to get in on that one, right? It's like, uh, we're going to talk about cultural stuff. No, thank you. But yeah, I, I didn't like leaving, ma, dad, you know. That was the same I think all of us experience, maybe it's not college, maybe it's something else, we all feel that tension of leaving our comfort zone, okay? And that's what these people were doing. So that's not, it's not all bad, right? It can be bad, but it's not all bad. I think it's good to have those emotions of leaving home, of being apart from your people, because I think in those tensions, in those anxieties, God's going to use you for his good, right? Right? I mean, how many of you even here this morning have walked through that season and now you're here and God's doing something in your life? It was true for me. My family, we lived in in Texas, in Dallas, for eight something years. And all of our family, all of our friends were over here. Right? That first, you get out of the the Pinski truck because that's what we had. And there's no one. We literally know no one. Thank God for the redhead in the elevator. I'm going to tell him to listen to the podcast. This is my best friend, right? He's like the people person. He's like, Are y'all new here? I'm Jared. It's nice to meet you. Are you lonely? Let's be friends. Okay? We need those people, right? But we're not, our hearts are not meant to be scattered, right? Our hearts must be changed to be scattered. So verse 2 says, And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. Shinar is Mesopotamia. It's kind of modern-day Iraq, Kuwait, uh, parts of Turkey, okay? So that's where we are on the map, all right? We're in Mesopotamia. Verse 3 says, "And they said to one another, these are the people. Come." Right? We've seen this command before, haven't we? "Come. Let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly." And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar, which is basically the stuff that it was like black tar, almost like asphalt that they would use to get the bricks to not fall apart. And then they said, listen to verse 4, "Come." And this is where we see the breakdown. Is building bad? Is building bad is building sin? No, it's not. But verse four is where we see it. This is where building becomes bad. Then they said, come, let us build. This is Nimrod, by the way. Okay? He was the leader. What a Nimrod. All right. Come. I've been working on that. That was a joke. I says joke in my notes. So thanks for that. All right. There's another one coming. I'll, I'll cue it though, all right? Please laugh. All right, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. What, were, what are cities for? Our cities aren't this way anymore, but what are cities used to be for? Safety, okay? We used to build cities for safety, and we'd build big walls, and everybody would live inside the walls, and those were a people, and those people were safe as long as nobody could get over the wall or break the wall down, okay? So they just experienced 100 years post-flood, they just experienced complete destruction, and so what do we do? We, we're going to build a city because we're going to be safe in this city. These people were scared, okay? But it's not just a city. What do they put inside the city? They build a tower. And the tower, for whatever purpose that we might think, is, is a bunch of things, I think. Because I think we all have these towers in our lives. And maybe we're not building actual towers. Maybe some of us are. I don't know. But we all have these things that we're building in our lives that are As we're doing them, we're saying the same thing that these people said: "Let us make a name for ourselves." And then here's the fear: lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now you got to remember, they didn't have a printing press; there was no Bible; they didn't have access to God's word. So the way that they remembered was to tell stories. And God's people have always been a people of story, and so. My dad would tell me the story, and then I would tell my kids the story, and he would tell them the story, and the story just kept going, right? And so the flood is a story that they would tell from generation to generation to generation. Well, dad, tell, tell me about the flood. Pop, tell me about the flood. Well, the flood came and filled the whole earth. Well, how do we avoid dying in a flood? We're going to build a tower, and we're going to get out of the grips of the water, okay? So there's an element of fear here. If we build this thing high enough, yeah, we're, we're going to reach the heavens. But a secondary impact of that, we're safe from the flood. Because in the story that Pop said, told us, he, God promised he would never flood the earth again. But what if he doesn't keep his promises? There's the sin. Do you see it? Okay? What if he doesn't? God always does. The question and answer that I mentioned in the opening... We ask our kids all the time, does God keep his promises? I don't know why we do this. This is what we do when we answer the question. Our thumbs start moving like this. Yes. God always keeps his promises. When you see Mary London, she's our five-year-old, ask her, does God keep her promise? She may not talk to you, but her thumb will start doing this. Okay? It just is stuck, right? So if, if, you're, if you're facing something, if you're building towers and you're scared, ask yourself and just do this. Just remember that God always keeps his promises, okay? It doesn't mean we're not going to be fearful, okay? The gospels don't say be free from fear because we won't be free from fear until God comes back and restores all things and makes them new, okay? So we're going to walk through this life as Christians and sometimes we're going to be scared. That's what the church is for because we're here to say, you know what, I promise you, in my life I faced the same thing, guess what? God kept his promise. He did it here, and he's still doing it today. This is, uh, let's, let's jump back in the text. Sorry, everybody do this one time. Let's do it. All right, I love that. Sorry, it just happens, right? Kids say the darndest things, all right? They remember the promise, though. They remember God's character. They remember his nature. Whatever it takes, we got to be, we got to constantly be saying, I need to be reminded, I need to be reminded. Verse 6. The Lord said, behold, well, let's go back to verse 5, because there's humor here, okay, and I think we need it. This doesn't say joke in the notes, but this is humor from the Lord. So what, what's happening? They're building a tower, right? They're going up into the heavens. Do we have a photo? Let's do the photo, the first one. Um, okay, so this is, um, uh, what's his name, Peter the Elder. Um, this is his art, right? So this is part of it. Let's go back, because I think the reality the, to the next one, this is probably more of what the tower... Uh, it was a ziggurat, right? If you guys remember studying ziggurat and like social, social studies and stuff, it's basically just like a dirt-filled building that they stacked up and there were stairs. And This is probably what Tower of Babel looked like, okay? So as they're building this tower, right, they're trying to reach the heavens. That was the goal. Like, if we can make a name for ourselves, we'll build to the heavens. And what does chapter, or verse five say? Lord, where did he go? He came down. They hadn't made it. They weren't close, I love this because you start to see how God works. No matter our effort, he has to come to you. He has to come to you. No matter how many times you come to church on Sunday, if you go on to church on a Wednesday, if you do all the things, do all the camps, do all the stuff, you can't get yourself to God. That is the gospel. There is nothing that you can do to reach the heavens. God must come down. And we see that in the life of Christ, as God the Son comes down, not to see the city, but to build a new city, okay? Verse 6, and the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them, all right? They had taken their language, and they had made it about them. Verse 7, come, let us go down, and there confuse their Language so that they may not understand one another's uh, speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the cities. So let's step into culture for a minute. Okay, you've already approved it, so we're doing it. Okay, uh, we live in a very divided culture. All right, this isn't a political thing, so you're safe. We're just going to stick to the Bible if that's okay. All right, we live in a very divided culture, and the one thing that culture has told us that divides us is race, right? Am I right? race divides us. Race does not divide us. Language does. Communication does. So when God came and he dispersed them over the face of the earth, he doesn't give them race. There's already race. Okay? There's already race. We're already different. Generation to generation to generation. I mean, you don't look around our room because we all kind of look the same, but if you look around the world, we all look very different. But the thing that separates us, the thing that God used to divide us, wasn't our race. It was language, and the more that we can't remember how to communicate with our brothers and sisters, the more that we have tensions with our neighbors, okay? So the hard work of the Christian is not to speak the truth, but to listen, because the more we listen, the more that we can communicate the truth in a way that can be understood. This is how the Holy Spirit has worked in the world, right? Right? What does the Holy Spirit do? He comes and he gives power. That's what Acts says. We're going to read some from Acts because once we leave uh, the Tower of Babel, we have all these different languages. And I like to think that in a moment, now all of a sudden, I'm working, I'm building a brick or doing the hammer thing, and I'm uh, in—I don't know—speaking Swahili. And then the next thing, I'm like talking Spanish, right? And then now I'm I'm in the Mesopotamia, and all of a sudden, I'm in like I don't know China, right? That, and that's the way that God works, is he sees that his name and his renown was being defamed. He cannot stand for that. But did he wreck the world? No, he didn't send another flood. He just used each other. He knew that we would do it on our own. And boy, are we good at it, right? And so we must lean into the gospel. When, as Christians, we must lean in to Listen. Listen. Because if you don't listen, you don't understand. And you can't communicate if you don't understand. This is where we are. And so we need to stop talking about race. And we need to start talking about communication, listening. This is the ethic of Christ. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Are we safe, by the way? Are we good? Is everybody good? Okay. Okay. Therefore, this is verse 9. Its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So when man builds for man's glory, man's building gets wrecked. Straight up. When man builds, this sounds like a Dr. Seuss thing, when man builds for God's glory, man's building is displayed for God's glory. When Jesus comes, this is John chapter 2, I think, somewhere in there, John chapter, like the end of middle John chapter 2. The Jews are they're attacking Jesus already, and we're like first thing into the gospel, okay? And and Jesus says, tear down the temple, and in three days. What does he say? I will what? He doesn't say I'll build it back. He said I'll raise it up. Okay? And he wasn't talking about the building, he was talking about his body. But they didn't, the Jews didn't understand that because the people have always been a building people, okay? When Jesus comes and says, I will raise it up, and that's what we're, that's the kind of people that we are. We're people that raise up. That's what Christians are. Now, let's do this really quickly. We're, I'm, I'm running out of time, but I will do this fast. Uh, go to Acts chapter 2, okay? So now we leave uh, Genesis 11, and we see that now that everybody's speaking different languages, Okay? While you're flipping, I'm going to read you this. This is from Martin Luther. He says, The fresh memory of the immeasurable wrath of God in the flood kept their hearts in the fear of God and in reverence for their ancestors. The immeasurable wrath of God in the flood kept their hearts in the fear, right? We are storied people. We must keep telling. I think confusion comes when man tries to make sense of our own fears apart from God. Right? We become more confused when we forget God's purpose or we lose sight of it. This is Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in how many places? What does it say? It says they, they were together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance verse 5 now they were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven how many nations all of them And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in whose language? In his own language, where God is working, he is helping us to understand. Okay? Verse 7, And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? What, what a bewilderment, right? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of where? What's in Mesopotamia? Babylon, okay? Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, And visitors from Rome, verse 11, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. We're telling a new story. It's not our story, it's his story. Verse 12, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Others mockingly said, they are filled with new wine." Because the story of Noah has lasted, right? When a Holy Spirit does a work, people who haven't experienced the Holy Spirit can't understand. That's, that's who we are. The, our, the world outside of Christianity doesn't understand who we are. There's a breakdown in communication. The psalm that we read this morning is Psalm 127 that says, unless the Lord what? Builds it. Builds what? Whatever you're building. Unless the Lord builds it, those who labor, labor in vain. This is one story, friends. And we talk a lot about like reading your Bible. But if there's ever a more advocate of reading your Bible, it should be this story. Because we see brokenness and then we see resurrection. Jesus came to build a new city, a city that can't be overthrown, a city that doesn't need walls, a city that doesn't need a tower because the presence of God is already there. So whatever the things are in your life that you're you're building for your name, for your renown, for your fame, for your wealth, for your whatever, for you, 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 find someone here today and pick up a sledgehammer Because the more we try to build our kingdom, the less the kingdom of God reigns on the earth. Because God said to go, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. We can't do that when we're building our own kingdom. We can only do that when we're building the kingdom of God. We're participants in his kingdom. John Calvin says this, and we'll close as we enter into a time of communion. And he's talking specifically about uh, the Tower of Babel, okay? So back into Genesis chapter 11. This is in his commentary on uh, Genesis 11. He says, this is, and this is also in the 16th century, okay? So keep that in mind. This is the world's perpetual folly, having neglected heaven to seek immortality on earth, where everything is perishable and passing away. I don't know if more true words have ever been spoken On Genesis chapter 11. I want to read now from uh, 1 Corinthians. This will move us into a time of communion as Matt comes back and leads us in a time of response. Our elders will be in the back. I'll be in the back. If you want someone to pray with, if you want someone to wreck the tower or whatever, you know, like, well, we're here for you. Like, know that. We love you. We care for you. We are for you. And we're for God's glory. And sometimes we need to be reminded that we're not intended to do it alone. And so if you want someone to walk alongside you, like there are going to be people in the back and there are others in here who would be happy to do that. Come find someone. Don't leave here today trying to do it on your own, okay? God always keeps his promises, and that's true in your life too. It's been true in mine. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let it be our benediction this morning. It says, but in the following instructions, I do not command you because when you come together, it is not for the better but for the worse. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? And I will not. This is verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, and he has promised to come again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you that in all things, you are working them together for our good and for your glory. So now, as we move into a time of communion, would you help us to remember we are a people of story. Would you help us to remember the story? I pray that there was clarity this morning that reached uh, into the hearts of everyone in the room, a clarity around who you are and what you care about, that you are for us no matter what, even when we aren't for you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that You came, you sent him down, not to destroy, but to renew. So I thank you for this church. I pray now that we, as we enter into a time of communion, you would just help settle our hearts, settle our minds, and help us to remember. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. If this is your first time and you haven't done communion uh, with us, we, we ask that if you've been, if you have not been baptized, that you maybe just stay in your seat. If you have been baptized, the table is open to you. If you're a Christian, the table is open to you. Uh, it's it's a little funky. We everything's in cups, and once you take the cup, the bread and the juice, you can do with it whatever you want. You can dip it, uh, which is our normal practice when it's, we're not sharing cups. But the thing going around, we're trying to divide cups, and um, just dip it, or you can just eat it and drink it. How, whatever is best for you. But we love you. Um, go now and remember that the Lord is good.